All right. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Teamwork, A Better Way. I'm, I, man, I don't even know my own name. It's been a long <laughs> morning. I'm Christian Napier and uh, joined by Spencer Horn, the man in purple who has driven and flown around the country in the last, I don't know, 96 hours or so. Spencer, welcome back home. How good you doing? Be, good, good. Good to be home. I got to sleep into about 7.15 this morning, so I feel great. And you're joining us from home rather than the basement of a library in Monticello, Utah. Yes, I'm glad to be back in, in where I have all my faculties and all my uh, all my equipment. And your son got down to Florida okay? You guys made it down there? Yeah, I did. he's uh, he's starting his uh, his job. This is the third summer that he's doing that. He'll be back in a few weeks to uh, to to get married and take his bride back with him. And while they while they work in Florida, so I'm very proud of him. He's working hard. Well, that is fantastic. I'm glad that you guys made it there safe and sound and that you've also returned back home safely. Thank you. Good to be with you, Christian, and good to be with our, our guest today. Yeah, I'm super excited because he is going to be talking to me, the introvert. Spencer, why don't you introduce him? Yeah, Quinn Jones. You know, it, we were we were chatting a little bit before, and we realized that we've known each other. Gosh, so that's got to be uh, seven, eight years ago. That uh, Yeah that we met and he was actually his company that he was with former company used to go to the uh, training still does apparently of the company that I used to work with for about seven and a half years and was the CEO with what, which is called rapport leadership. And so we were having, we were having some fun reminiscing about that Quinn, but uh, I've so appreciated the, the connection that we've had on LinkedIn since about, you know, 2016 and Quinn is, uh, has had a career in uh, IT in leadership and software. Let me, uh, let me change my camera, guys, and then I'll be... <laughs> All right, we'll fix that again. Here we go. And I love it when that happens. Okay, and, and he's, that spans 25 years in this IT career, which means he has so much amazing experience. For those of you who are in engineering and, and IT, you get to be so excited for today. Um, and, and that experience includes a variety of positions, starting as a software engineer, uh, then as a team leader in satellite software development, and most recently as a CIO, CTO, Chief uh, Technical Officer at InsureTech. And his key strengths are innovation and IT strategies, disruptive technology, and discovery and creation in, in software, hardware, architecture, an adaptive collaborative problem solving. That's all. Are you familiar with Christian Clay, uh, uh, Clayton Christensen? Sorry, I got that uh, backwards. I, Clayton Christensen? You know, I am not, but uh, I'm going to have to write a little note for me here and look that name up. Well, so he's <laughs> the one who actually uh, was the, the the founder of this whole movement of, of disruptive technology. He passed away just a, a couple of years ago, uh -huh. but it was a Harvard professor that I think you will find very, very fascinating. And uh, anyway, Quinn is highly skilled and agile and lean and XP technologies. I have uh, connections with so many project managers and project management chapters around the world. So hopefully some of you are listening uh, and, and you'll have some questions for, for Quinn. And in, in the areas that he's worked in, in these, uh, uh, these disciplines include cybersecurity, which that's not important at all today. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. I just, yeah. Oh, Quinn, I got to, you know, I just talked to a CEO yesterday who was major, had a major ransomware attack for their company. 
and it, it cost them millions, millions of dollars. It's just unbelievable what's happening right now. But um, And data governance uh, in the U.S. and abroad, which is so, so important. He has a passion for positive psychology and mindfulness leadership and his most recent part uh, partnership with the creation of an underwriting services company, uh, ESP, which is an elite sales processing, uh, which was acquired in 2015 by RGA Reinsurance, which is a a Fortune 250 company, which is amazing. We're so glad to have you, Quinn. Thank you for letting me talk about all of your accolades. We're just so glad to have you. Yeah, wow. I'm kind of exhausted hearing about myself at this point because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm just a guy like everybody else out there trying to just be happy, be engaged, and uh, and learn everything I can from everybody around me. So, thanks for having me. This is an incredible topic because. Uh, you know, the domain that I've lived so long in is full of so many what would be classically called introvert type of uh, personalities. Um, the knowledge worker is classic as classically known as the, the introvert, you know, the software developer, especially, and, and the underwriters and the actuary folks. So uh, it's great to be here. And I can't wait to talk about, you know, what the classical definitions that we all think we know are introverts and extroverts, and then you know, what really is an introvert and an extrovert and, and how those two characteristics and personalities can mesh together and, and pull each other's strengths out to their advantage. So, um, do so you, talking, do, go ahead. Do you, do you think there are people out there that are not aware that they're either an extrovert or an introvert? Uh, well, I, right here. I, I mean, I'm one of them. Um, a lot of people, you know, immediately assume because of my background that I'm I'm very introverted. But if you were to look at my Myers Briggs score, which I think I've taken twice, it hasn't changed, which it shouldn't. Uh, I'm labeled as an extrovert, uh, strategic thinking and perceiving. But uh, and then if you look at my Gallup, and you see a lot of alignment, a lot of these psychological profiling type of exercises in the Gallup Strengths Finder. Uh, and I think you're, gonna, you're not going to find too many folks with a strength of woo that are that are introverted. So. Um, but if they yeah. if they were, they would be uh, they would be a, a, a unicorn, but also a very successful one. Right. Yes. Um, but you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting dynamics that I think very recently mostly forced upon us by the pandemic. Uh, and, and in both work and education that have really, I think, drawn out these strengths and weaknesses of the introvert and the extrovert and sending people home to work remotely, as, as well as sending, you know, a whole population generation of students home to do remote learning. And, and that's where I started to have some of these aha moments about what does it truly mean to be an introvert? What does it truly mean to be an extrovert? and how the the working environment has changed over the years and then we've been radically in my opinion pulled out of that domain and stuck at our homes to work and then me expecting to see you know this incredible uh, what i would consider what i would have considered crash in the marketplace and and companies struggling to do that actually succeeding and being highly productive and actually some of them seeing record numbers. So, so that makes you think, okay, well, what's going on here? Because companies have spent massive amounts of money creating these idealistic collaborative workspaces that were supposed to 
you know, be the best of the best for, for taking ideas of different products and services, bringing them together with the different resources internally, and then having the folks that create and produce those resources create the best, most productive, most effective, efficient products. But I don't think that's kind of what we saw. And in fact, now with the RTO movement, the return to the office movement, you're, you're seeing this great resignation washing over the country and, and people kicking and screaming about not wanting to go back to, to the office. And a disconnect, for that matter, between what the executive suite sees as where the direction they want to go and what the non-executive uh, population sees that where they want to go. So that's where I, I threw this idea out, out at you, Spencer and, and Christian, and uh, that's why we're here today to talk, kind of talk about some of those dynamics and and how, how, I mean, what's the best what's the best uh, middle ground for for everybody. Go, Christian. I have well, so I many have questions. A, <laughs> I, I, I want to come back to the beginning, which is what is the definition of introvert? And I think there are many yeah. of them. You know, for me personally, uh, re what resonates is uh, as a person who considers himself an introvert, uh, I feel like um, being around people uh, for long periods of time, especially, is a net drain on energy and that I need to be alone to recover right uh, to, to recharge my batteries uh, and, whereas some people who might be extroverted they gain energy from being around other people that it, it feeds them right uh, and being alone is a drain on them and so uh, I'm curious uh, to to hear uh, your perspective on you know what the definition of an introvert might be well um, it's kind of funny because little did I know although I should have known because we're sitting here with Spencer, who's probably has mountains of expertise in this field and, and has actually done work in this area. Um, from just my research and what I, I'll tell you what the definitions that I've come across uh, and found is that it's exactly what you just said. The introvert internally feels energized when they're kind of allowed to in, interact in, in their own space more on a private, more on private terms, not in a social setting with others. Um, now there are different, what they call, um, subtypes of introverts. There are there. And of course, just like most things in psychology, there's a, there's a spectrum. We like to break things out into, into ones and zeros, uh, positives and negatives, but there's a definite spectrum involved here. And I know I'm, I'm probably one of those, uh, functional, uh, introvert, uh, functional extroverts or ambiverts as they call them, where you basically have traits in, of, of both characteristics. Of course, the extrovert is also exactly what you said there, Christian, they're energized by social interaction. They're, they're energized by interacting with others and over long spans of time. And in fact, if you isolate an extrovert, they, they feel, <laughs> they feel depressed. They feel like they're drained. They don't have that energy that they feel that high that they feel when interacting in highly social settings. But for me, I, I think I can feel a drain on both spectrums. Uh, I, I do get exhausted in in long meetings. In fact, uh, you know, being in lay, being repeatedly labeled and and testing out as an extrovert, like I would often scratch my head and think to myself, "Well, why are these?" Why do I feel so drained and feel like I need to, to go away and just be by myself for a while and just go do something uh, 
uh, intellectual or just some do nothing, just, just relax and get out of this social setting so that I can recover. So, you know, um, I, I was, I was talking to you a little bit before Quinn in that uh, I use an instrument that measures degree of, so w we were talking about the, the word introvert sometimes it can have a pejorative when actually there are great strengths that, that come with introversion. And we used, I like to use the word uh, high or low extroversion. So it's, it's, it's low. And then there's also a midline. So we have Christine Heinrich who's, who's listening. Thank you so much for joining us. And, and she says, I'm an introverted or extroverted introvert, but there is a, there is a midline. And, and so you could go either way. And, but the further you are, let's say a high extroversion versus low extroversion, if you're high extrovert, it takes you lots more energy to, to, to shut up. And for, for a really strong, low extra, uh, extrovert, it takes a lot of energy to speak up. And so one of the other differences, Christian and Quinn, that I've noticed is just in how they communicate. So typically what you'll find is someone with lower extroversion will be thinking about what they're going to talk about. They'll be editing inside their head. Okay, what should I say? How should I say it? And there's a whole conversation going on inside their heads when somebody who is extroverted is literally talking about what they're thinking about. It comes out of their heads. So, you know, a lot of times what will happen is an extrovert will be going blah, 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 and they'll stop and they go, oh, that's what I think about that. Because they just heard themselves say it. But someone with lower extroversion would never do that. You ask them about their weekend and they say it was great. But they, in this, your mind, yeah. they're, they're, in their mind, they're like going, oh, I did this, I went to the lake, I did this, but it doesn't come out. <laughs> So, you know, and going through a lot of my own personal journeys through communication coursework and trying to become a better communicator, you know, the classic paradigms of communication and the introvert and the extrovert, uh, again, is something like, you know, maintain that eye contact, right? Uh, always look at who you're speaking to or scan the room at head level back and forth, having eye contact with everyone. When I'm thinking, the eyes go up, the eyes go down, and I'm processing it's like, it's, it's classic. And when you watch folks like, I love to watch Elon Musk give his big presentations because there is a classic introvert right. who literally pauses and you can hear it. You can see that you can almost hear the wheels churning. Yep, exactly. And you see the, the smoke rolling out of the ears and then out comes this hilarious, highly intellectual response that it's like, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, but he does it so quickly. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, is that, is that practice? It's not to say that an introvert, even, even on the, uh, on the introvert subtypes of the thinking introvert or the, uh, or the, um, whatever the, 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 the restrained introvert through practice, through practice, you can become good no matter who you so, are at, so at, here's the, at those levels. It may here, be draining, but <laughs> here's how I show that you have a pen in your hand. I see. Yes. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead and sign your name, Quinn, real quickly. Just on a piece okay. of paper. Yep. Now sign it with your non-dominant hand. <laughs> I can't. Yes, you can. And, and okay, here, hold on. So sign it with your non-dominant hand. Ooh, how did bad. you how did you how did you do? It looks terrible. What does what does it take for you to do that? Yeah, I had to think hard about it. Right. Yeah. But and now here's the question. If you practiced every day, would it get better? Absolutely, because I, I had that happen. I I uh, had a major injury to my right hand, and I had in college, and I had to learn how to do everything with my left hand. And this is in the eighties, right? 90s, now, where, where but here's the principle: you will get better, but it will never be as good as your natural hand. So, so over time, the energy expended can decrease. 
So this is a great segue into the next topic, Spencer, which is work, work and how, how the work and, and school, especially school. I have a, I have a, a 15 year old and a 17 year old and my 17 year old uh, has some learning disabilities, epilepsy, and he's ADD and uh, he needs very uh, quiet, uh, focused environments to do his to do his work and he, he gets extra time as well because he's a hardcore thinker he, he analyzes everything from every single direction you could ever think of and he's he's very he's very intellectual um but one of the things i see with respect to high energy and low energy and whether you're an introvert or an extrovert is i i, I tended to see that most of the, the public school system he's in the public school system is definitely seems to be geared towards that extroverted aspect uh, of of socialization as being you know being promoted, and that you know his type of introverted behaviors or his his challenges were you know not looked at as strengths, but as something that needs to be fixed or shored up. When I don't think it it can be shored up to some extent, like you said, but it will never be. He'll never be in his in his domain, being able to maximize his strengths as a, as a critical, serious thinker in that environment. Uh, so, and, and I think that we also might have seen that trend in the recent past with, um, with the work environments as well, going from collaborative to almost hyper collaborative. I know that I, I felt that way sometimes when I had to sit down and focus and get work done in a very hyper collaborative environment where you basically have no personalized workspace. You have a flat desk with a monitor and you have somebody I could touch to the right of me, touch to the left of me and somebody right on the other side of me and all around me and the visual distractions and the noise distractions being somewhat of an extrovert, I want to engage. And it was incredibly hard for me to sit down and focus and get some work done back when I was doing a lot of software development. So, and I think that, uh, I think that we saw a huge shift and transition away from that when everybody introverts and extroverts had to go home. I mean, you have your, I mean, you built your own ideal workspace. It was your own perspective. It was your own paradigm, if you will. And I think that there's something very satisfying and comfortable about that, being able to do that, being able to, to have that kind of environment around you, which uh, no matter how many billions of dollars, I know Google, I've been through the Google facilities and right. had an opportunity to be through there. I know that they have some fantastic facilities, but even with all the money and the bring your pet to work and, and all the cool <laughs> private little cubes and, and nuances in a, in a Google facility, you know, it's still hard to be working from home. <laughs> you, you know, what's interesting is you said in the very beginning as the, you know, you're a CIO, you're a CTO, you're like, as we move to that home environment, there's got to be a fall off in productivity. That was the assumption that you had based on major organizations like Google and all these, you know, Silicon Valley companies that have spent so much on the term, as you say, hyper collaboration. And I've seen those offices being redesigned where there's no partitions, there's no... There's no separation. It's just everybody in that same space. Tear down the walls. <laughs> right. Good Pink Floyd reference, right? So yeah. let's... Uh, and so it's not surprising that we would think that that's going to 
that everything will fall apart because we were so sure that that was the right answer. So how are you dealing with that now with what, with what you know as a, as a, as a CIO in, in well, your organization? How are you managing maybe hybrid or, or maximizing what you've learned? I, there's definitely there's definitely been an aha moment, especially where companies where you have much more alignment of the executive suite and the non-executive suite, uh, and that's that's when it comes to how do we transition into moving forward in the future of of an optimal workplace or work environment, and uh, it's it's for sure the hybrid. Uh, I know that uh, companies like uh, Twitter and some other big players the big four they have just said okay if you want to work remote you can stay 100 percent remote if you want to come into the office we'll have the office available for you um but i i don't see it being a cultural phenomenon that is that can be successfully forced upon the entire workforce and the company perform at an optimal level i think that we've kind of we've reached that realization and had that aha moment to where everybody's different. And for me, honestly, I am most performant if I can work from anywhere. There are times when I want to go into the office and I want to interact with people and we have some things that we need to get done. And I know that that face-to-face -face conversation for me is more optimal. Um, and there are other times where I need to go to the coffee shop and I need to have some background noise and the smell of, roasted coffee and get some work done and maybe have a few meetings where I'm not, you know, essential in those meetings. I just need to be there uh, as a fly on the wall. And then there are times where I really need to get my head down and crank a lot of work out. Uh, budgetary times when you're you know, formulating your budget and you just, you got to set up, set the calendar for do not disturb, put the email responder on to, Hey, uh, you know, I'm in the office, but not available and just hide out at home and, Get a lot of work done so that that hybrid work from anywhere model i think is in my opinion what feels to fit best well i i agree i as an introvert i really enjoy working from home and uh at the same time you know i've been i've been doing some some interviews in my my other role uh doing some work with the international olympic committee and uh and I, while I think that uh, if you if you look at the feedback there with the Tokyo 2020 and Beijing 2022 Olympic Games, um, because of COVID, everything went remote. Uh, but meetings that were held like internally, I think were okay. Where the bigger challenge uh, came for remote meetings was meeting with stakeholders and partners. Uh, because usually you would have those meetings in a more formal setting. Uh, they would be extended. You could they could be in workshops that were two or three days, and the opportunities for the ad hoc side meeting, you know, uh, during a break, during a lunch, you know, having a side conversation with something somebody, uh, those were those were missing, and so it became quite challenging. And as soon as face to face meetings were were able to be held again, uh, if if you talk to 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 my colleagues there, they'll, they'll tell you, you know, that the that the face-to-face -face meeting was absolutely invaluable uh, when it came to working with your stakeholders and partners. And I, so I'm just curious, Quinn, from your perspective, you know, if you've seen that as well, where maybe internal meetings with your team, 
uh, you know, a lot of that can be done remotely. But when you had to kind of stretch beyond your kind of core team and meet with uh, other individuals from other departments or outside of the organization, if you if you've seen any differences in face to face communication versus uh, remote. Absolutely. Um, I, I think I think what you just said hits the nail on the head here. Um, and when you look at some of the studies being done between the RTO movement and the executive suite, wanting 60, I think something like 60% of them wanting to return to the office, uh, 44%, according to the one survey I, I sent out in our talking points, 44% wanting to return to the office at, on the executive side, and then 14% on the non-executive side wanting to continue to work remote. I think what you're looking at and what you're seeing, it feels like, you know, heads banging, but in reality, I think what you need to do is recognize that there's a certain need and a certain uh, a service that is done with the C-suites doing their organizing and planning face-to-face. Uh, I believe you're probably going to see a lot of extroverted types of personalities in those in those in those types of roles, especially sales and marketing. Uh, them getting together and and socially interacting is optimal, and it's going to maximize that exchange of ideas, information, uh, and and that kind of thing. When you come down, especially on, in what I'm my domain, which is the knowledge worker domain, which is the underwriters and, and the IT people and the programmers, the engineers, I think you're going to see what works best for them and what they what's most engaging for them, which is uh, getting a lot of work done, creating those products and services. So allowing them to be hybrid. Now, I still, <laughs> the extrovert in me is still kind of saying, you know, there are times when, yeah, the remote, this remote, um, paradigm that we're in, the tools and technology become so good. And I can only imagine what's coming down the pipeline with with VR and having remote meetings where you have a virtual avatar that can even interact more with your other participants. But uh, today, uh, there are still times where it's like, okay, picking up the phone or going into the office and having a meeting with a few other people seems to in those more difficult situations, getting on a whiteboard where you can both interact on the whiteboard and erase each other's uh, doodling of this workflow or that workflow or this data exchange format is still uh, going to be needed. It's not like it's going to be, oh yeah, 100% everybody working from home that's generating and producing is going to be best for them. There's still going to be the need, just like uh, folks, you know, rather than getting on an airplane and flying across to the other side of the of the world into China to have a meeting about the Olympics, it makes more sense to do it remotely, depending on what it is. So it's, it's having that flexibility and, and actually that respect between the introvert population and the extrovert population of knowing that, you know, we all have to be engaged and, and be happy with where we're working and how we're working in order for us to maximize our 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 experience. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's so important. And I think that goes back to actually, you know, your son's experience is that, 
you know, for a, a long time, I mean, we treat people who learn differently than maybe the majority of us as, the, the, you know, as defective in some way. You know, maybe, for example, children with what, what has been known as their, their kinesthetic learners, they actually have to move and wiggle in order to learn. And we think, well, they're ADHD, and so we've got to medicate them. That's it's such a mistake. And, you know, we, we really need to, as leaders, take into account the way our, our workers best function and operate and not force uh, our, our perspective on, on everyone, but, but create some flexibility. And I love some of the things that you said, and I don't know if our listeners took note of a few things that you said, but what I heard you say is when you have those times when you have lots of meetings, you actually have to plan for downtime. And that could be in the coffee shop where you just regenerate or you have uh, alone time. So actually plan either before or after when you've got those those meeting times when you can actually be alone. I heard that. And also um, one of the things that, that you said is, is, is block your productive times. And, and I don't know, uh, I, I coach a lot of people and I talk to them about, about this. And it's like, there's times when, as a leader that you have to create office hours, that you're available for people, but also create some sacred space and that for your most productive and most deep thinking times when you are on do not disturb. And it is okay to do that. And if you let your team know, listen, I'm working, I need to, unless it's an emergency, I need to not answer any email or Slack or or phone call or anything. And so those are two things that I heard you say that I think are very, very important for our listeners to uh, to incorporate if they are, in fact, on the lower extroversion spectrum. I couldn't agree with you more. And in fact, you know, when, it, when you talk about teams and leading teams of common, what's commonly referred to as introverts, um, one of the, some of the skills that I've I think I've just been successful and I've just done that I really didn't dissect and take apart and try to try to put down on a piece of paper were listening and, and asking for information, not pushing information, allowing your team to pull, pull work tasks and work duties, which is a lot of what Agile and XP is about, is a, is a pull mentality, not a push mentality. Uh, and then encouraging, I, I always encourage uh, my teammates and team members to block out big chunks of their calendar because one of the most common things I hear about is a media invite goes out. There are a bazillion people on the invite. Do you really need to be there? No, not really. But I'm going to look bad if I don't log in. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. but we've got this you whole know. mentality that yeah. we've got to include. We've got to be inclusive <laughs> of everybody. And and I don't want to offend everybody. We, we, we don't want to leave anybody out to hurt anybody's feelings. It's a mistake. It is a huge mistake. You, you know, and I, I constantly say, look, if you're not in the two, if you're a CC and you don't, you don't think you need to be there. Don't worry about it. If if they I need you bad that. enough, that they'll come to you. Or if you need information because you're polling it, you'll reach out to them and get the information that you specifically need. Um, and so, yeah, block out your calendar. Just say you're you're busy. You're you're not that you're not you're not available, and that you'll be checking your email periodically. Uh, and you know, be cordial, be nice about it, but. You have to do it. Otherwise, you're just you're going to be swimming in a sea of of constant task shifting and never being able to get anything productive done. And as an introvert, that's going to drive you nuts. <laughs> hey, so so I have a question about this poll concept. I really love what you're talking about there. In meetings, it, it's typically those who are introverted uh, are are thinking about what's going on. They're watching and taking notes, and they're not necessarily speaking up. 
uh, and, and a lot of times their, their their mentality is, well, somebody else will say what I'm thinking. I don't need to say it. Um, when when it's so important that we hear from everybody, but that's hard for 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 this population. How do you pull to get them to engage and 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 share their their thoughts and ideas in a way that's that's uh, effective and comfortable for them? Um, that's challenging because, like you said, Spencer, part of the aspect is you know their processing, and right. let's just say it, you know most meet. You shouldn't probably schedule them. If, it, if it's a meeting that's more than 15 or 20 minutes, it should probably be more formalized and uh, you should think twice about who you're including in on that meeting uh, and make sure that only the people that have input and, and are needed for their expertise are in on that meeting. But otherwise, yeah, um, you know they're processing, you know they're, they're writing notes, they're thinking. I now, this is one of the caveats here. I typically wait till the end and then go around the room and ask them if they have any questions or, or any comments. Um, uh, I engage them and ask them if they want to engage. Otherwise, um, we make a follow-up. Because typically, the, the classic aspect and one of the big nuances of being highly introverted, maybe on that anxious or restrained or thinking spectrum is your best ideas and your best input's going to come an hour, two hours after the meeting, the following day, the meeting <laughs> after the meeting, we all talk about when's the, you know, for, for knowledge workers, for programmers or for, well, so let's have the real meeting after the meeting. Right. <laughs> um, and so that's typically what happens. We typically take it off. You'll say, well, we'll take it offline. That's the classic response. But a lot of times taking it offline means, okay, those folks who were really processing the information that was flowing in, they're going to have, they're going to have a lot of their good stuff after the meeting, and who knows when that's going to be. So you just you just schedule a quick touch point. Uh, well, as an as an introvert, I will say that it's important for everybody to understand their communication styles. Uh, but uh, I do not think it is realistic to expect that everybody should cater their style to fit my personality. And, and sometimes as introverts, we, and I'm speaking as an introvert, you know, we, we, we may fall under the trap of thinking, well, you know, these guys need to adapt to the way that I interact with other people, the way that I communicate. But I think we also, as introverts, have responsibility to make sure that we adapt because we can fall into some, some traps. Uh, number yes. one, as you just mentioned, is we don't say anything because we're processing Number two is we don't listen because we're spending so much time processing what we're going to say. We're not actually listening to what the other people are saying. And it's a bad habit. And as introverts, we have to get out of that habit and say, you know what? I really need to focus on what uh, this person is saying. Because if yeah. I get caught in a, in, a, in a loop where I am so worried about what I'm going to say, then I'm not paying attention. You know, yeah. a lot of introverts can't remember other people's names because when they're introduced to people they're thinking so much about what am i going to say to introduce myself i'm not listening to the person who's talking to me and so this oh, is something yeah. that we need to learn how to do and i would you as know, opposed to talking so much you're not listening anyway for the extroverts right? <laughs> yeah so it, what happens is nobody's listening Stop, to mess. Nobody's, nobody's listening because the extroverts are talking all the time and the introverts are thinking about what they're going to say and they're not really listening to the extrovert 
and and it actually is a problem. People people don't have effective communication because we have these things, and I think we have personal responsibility to make sure that we overcome this. And I think, you know, it's a you mentioned the schools. It would be so great if this kind of stuff was taught in schools, and that as introverts we learned at an early age, like oh, this is why I'm having problems paying attention or learning is because I'm so worried about thinking what I'm going to say. And I have to say the perfect thing because if I don't say it perfectly, then people are going to think I'm stupid. So I don't say anything. I just shut up. And then people uh, think that yeah. I'm disinterested. You know, I, I wish that we had those, those, uh, those opportunities from an early age to learn that certainly in corporations. I think we, we need services provided by people like Spencer and others that help us understand ourselves enough so that we can, we can have empathy and we can take corrective action on our own and, and learn how to be better. Well said. Now I'll get Amen. off my soapbox. Amen. No, that's well said. And, and you know, I, it's funny because I'm trying to think of an extroverted um, negative saying, like, you know, you got the Peter principle and you got, uh, oh, that person, you know, doesn't have any social skills and, uh, or, you know. I have one for you. What's that? I, I, I share the acronym with those extroverts all the time. It's W period, A period, I period, T period. Wait, why am I talking? Just to hear yourself talk. Just shush. <laughs> yeah, but even then, even then, you know, it seems like, uh, it seems like because the introverts are so busy thinking, they tend to not stand up for themselves and, and uh, shore up their importance in any in any of those situations where, you know, they are key to the, to the process. They are, they are the key components that are going to think and ideate and produce a lot of these, in my case, in a lot of the software and this code and, and make these underwriting decisions and figure out, uh, you know, if somebody's insurable or not. And, um, and that's the product and service that the sales folks are selling to everybody. So, you know, it's really easy for me to interrupt, as you've seen on this show many times. But when I when I teach executives, you know, we're in a fast paced environment here. But when I teach executives about this, it is wait for the appropriate time to speak, because when you're talking with someone with lower extroversion, they may actually take a pause. And that's the cue for the extroverts to jump in like I like I just did. And it's a mistake because they're still thinking about their next thought. And so I asked multiple CEOs yesterday, said, how many of you have ever had someone where you were thinking about your next thought and they jumped in over top of you? And every one of them raised their hands. Because, you know, so so we need to, that's why the weight is is so, so important. You know, you, you've brought some great things uh, to us. And, and you know, I'd, I'd love to, as we as we wrap up today, what else can we do? Uh, you know, I know, Christian, you said we, 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 we can't cater, but in, in some sense, we have to be aware of the makeup of our entire team, right? We do have, we have people with higher extroversion, we have people with lower extroversion. Then we have people with higher dominance and lower dominance. We have higher patients and lower patients, higher conformity and lower. So this is just one component of, of, of behavior. And you know, we can't make allowances for, oh my gosh, we've got to, you know, we can't step up. It's going to be uncomfortable for somebody almost all the time. And so we need to, though, just be aware of how we can help our team be the most productive. So when it comes to this team environment, what are you finding that that you can, we've talked about some great ideas. What What is the best way to really 
help those that feel like they're lower extroverts just thrive in this team setting? How can they show up in a way? You know, one of the questions that we were talking about beforehand is who are, are there truly great extrovert leaders? And there are. I mean, you think about some some high performers, Michael Jordan, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Steve Wozniak, Mark Zuckerberg. You'd mentioned Elon Musk on the show. Chopin, Barack Obama, Abraham Lincoln, Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, Albert Einstein, Rosa Parks, Mahatma Gandhi, Steven Spielberg, Meryl Streep, actors, actresses, leaders, political. They're all introverts and great, great leaders. And so sometimes we may think that... Um, as you know, Christian said, just because they're not talking, that there's something wrong with them. Um, so, so how do you help them to thrive today? And and by the way, if you're listening and you have any questions for Quinn, please put them up because we want to get those to you before uh, before we say goodbye. Well, I think I think the key aspect here is understanding. It doesn't matter whether you're an introvert. It doesn't matter whether you're an extrovert. Everybody wants to feel like they're valued and they're appreciated. Whatever you can do to maximize that sense of uh, belonging, value, and appreciation is key to maximizing your, your, your team, your culture, and the environment that you're, you're working in. Uh, whatever that magic sauce is, I think that's part of the journey of every, every employee, all the way down from you know the the new employee right out of college to the veteran executive, um, and I think that for me personally in my journey through through those different ranks and ascension, I've come to a happy place where it's just let the people be who they who their natural strengths are and who they want to be, uh, and uh, that's about it, honestly. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's so pragmatic and simple that sometimes I think we overcomplicate the matter. Um, and I think that's, I think that's what we were seeing before was we were seeing that huge hyper collaborative energy spent on everything is uber collaborative. And then the pandemic hit, and then there was this aha moment of, wait a minute, you know what we, everybody seems to be a lot happier kind of figuring out what's best for them in their own space. So you can do that in an office. I, uh, it's not a mystery. It's you just listen and, and listen to your folks, your employees and your teams. I think that's a great way to end it there. Uh, everybody's important. They matter. And uh, so uh, if you if you genuinely if you genuinely care about your team members, they'll feel it. And uh, so I appreciate that very much. Now, Quinn, if people want to learn more about the work that you're doing or if they want to contact you in some way, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Oh, boy. I'm a LinkedIn junkie these days, so just reach out to me on LinkedIn. In fact, I probably need to I need to seek some help here. Is there a LinkedIn support group <laughs> that I could join <laughs> to help me get off of LinkedIn? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, uh, it's, it, it's, it's, the, powerful... it's the Facebook for us old, old, old career folks, right? Yeah. Well, but it's a, it's a powerful tool because I mean, you can do business on it and you can create new, you know, great relationships. And that's the, that's the point that are, but you're right. I mean, just like anything, I, I, I just put time restrictions on my social media, Quinn, this weekend, uh, talking to my son, you know, we were talking about being productive and, and so I put a time restriction and it shuts it down when I hit that on a daily basis. 
<laughs> That's a wise well, thing. <laughs> let, let's let's hope to finish this up before anybody else's uh, social media shuts down on them. Uh, Spencer, uh, if people want to learn more about the work that you're doing to help organizations and teams, uh, what's the best way for them to reach out and contact you? LinkedIn, man. No, <laughs> Spencer Horn. Or uh, <laughs> go to altiumleadership.com, A-L-T-I-U-M leadership.com. Christian, how about you? How can we find you? Uh, LinkedIn it is. We'll 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 do three for three. So you can look me up at Christian Napier there on LinkedIn. Uh, and uh, you can also email me uh, at Christian at Raconto.io. That's R-A-K-O-N-T-O dot I-O. All right, Quinn and Spencer, uh, another fabulous conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. And please like and subscribe to our podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you.